You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but got to be indeed. Get it on. Welcome to Castrol CarCast. Brought to you by Castrol. Why not? And Geico as well. You can go to geico.com. I'm Adam Kroll. It's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea over there. Hello. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, I uh, I know we're going to get into all kinds of good car stuff, but I'll tell you, uh, last night... We went to the Burbank uh, Theater here, and we watched Not Taco Bell Material, your your first stand-up comedy special filmed in a theater, and I'll tell you, that's the way to see it. It's so much fun yeah. seeing it there with a, with an audience, and and uh, a great job on that, by the way. And I know that's coming out. on You can get it on Chassis and all that stuff, but if you can get into one of these like tug screenings, I would say definitely, definitely do that. It really is a much better way to effective. I'll just use your word effective, not like good or funny or something. Yeah. It's a more, if you think about, thank you. If you, if you think about what you're trying to achieve, like you go, I'm going to watch someone's hour long, or in this case, 72 minute long stand up special. And you go, okay, why are you doing that? And you go, because I'd like to laugh and I'd like to enjoy myself and maybe forget about some of the the worries in life and laugh along a little bit. And you go, okay, well, if that's your goal, then watching it at home on your phone or your computer is fine. But if your goal is to really sort of absorb all of it, it's a much more visceral, enjoyable experience to yeah. watch it in the theater. And even if there's a, a bit or, or a story or something that you told, somebody might have heard this before on the podcast or in the book, it's still different. It's so much more fun to see it with the crowd, see it on the big screen, get everybody's reaction to it. So if you get a chance to do that, it's it's you should go see it in one of these tug screenings. If you don't, then invite 15 people over to your house and have a big have a big viewing party because it's fun with a with a crowd. It is. And um, uh Nate thanks. and I have seen it multiple times and you know I've seen it live yeah. uh, when you're developing the show as well, Adam. Uh, still a few guffaws for me and Nate in, in the front row. Like they're just, yeah, just it hits differently when you're when you're singing it. That big. it is, yeah, it was fun. Anyway, good job, and it was fun to go to. So thanks for uh, agreed, and thank you. And uh, you can get it at iTunes as well, and uh, it's going to drop March on 5th? Tuesday. But yeah. uh, just pre-order it, and it'll be waiting for you. I guess that's how it works, right, Max Patty? You yeah, just so order you, you it can now. Pre-order it now, and then you'll own it forever. Um, also, uh, it, it's, it's a, it'll be available for rent on March fifth as well. Oh. And I'm, my goal with this thing is for you guys to watch it and share it. It's it's not really to make money off it, although that would be nice. But I would like it to be seen by as many people as uh, can see it. So it's a little less about money and a little more about viewership yeah uh, it's good it'll be less than five bucks to rent so says uh, max pata ed justice jr is going to come in here in a minute uh justice brothers a great photographer as well oh yeah um and an all-around car guy there's a handful of guys that are just sort of perennial all-stars at all these car events and all these things and uh, ed justice is one of them i uh, ed justice jr i should say i was walking 
I don't think I told you about this uh, motorator, but I was walking Phil down the sidewalk yesterday, and Phil, he has certain stretches where he just has to stop every five feet and sniff things, and when he sniffs things, he gets into this mode where he gets all paw, all four paws planted, yeah. and then he just leans low and goes hard, <laughs> and you can pull as hard as you want. He doesn't... He's not moving. He's not moving, and then he makes this weird grunting sound <laughs> when you pull him, because... You're you're essentially choking him because you're just pulling it, <laughs> but he doesn't <laughs> yeah. he doesn't move. Yeah, and um, so I was out front walking him down Foothill Boulevard yesterday. It was about uh, it was about noon or something, and some dude just comes out of the real estate office we're passing in front of, and he's like, "Hey, man, what's going on at the?" Peterson on the tenth, and I'm like, "Oh, we got we're doing a car thing." It's like I'm. I heard about that. I'm like, yeah, man, what do you got? He's like, uh, I got a 89 Porsche Carrera. Nice. And I said, uh, well, bring it and uh, come on down. It's uh, Sunday. It'll be, well, I guess uh, as you hear this, it'll be a week from tomorrow, right? If you hear, or mm-hmm. well, when's this come out? Saturday? Yeah, week, yeah. From from, week from tomorrow. Week from tomorrow. Yeah, so the the 10th. And, uh, we're going to be down there. Leno's going to be down there. Uh, we're going to who who's going to who all is going to be down there? Yeah, so we've still got some guys confirming, but uh, Leno's going to be there. Mike Brewer from Wheeler Dealers is going to be there. Chris Jacobs from Discovery Channel Velocity and Motor Trend. He's hey, going to be down me, there. Let me ask this about the that. Our guy Goldberg, Chris Jacobs. Yeah, uh, he's ubiquitous. Uh, I met him a couple times. Nice guy. Yeah. There's a commercial they used to run for like Motor Trend or something, and it's like all the guys, you know, this is my car, this is my escape or whatever. And he's with a 911 SC. Yeah. And I and I'm thinking, well, I think all these guys, I think it's their car. Yeah, he has the 911. Okay. He's You're, also a Mopar guy. All right. <laughs> a lot of range. Is yeah. he going to bring? So far, everyone's bringing a Porsche. No, he's bringing a he's bringing a Mopar. Okay. I think a GTX. I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm mid. What I'm in the midst of doing, what I'm in the midst of doing is modifying the Hino BRE transport truck yeah. to hold uh, probably the BRE 510. I, I know it's a little mix and match because that thing would transport the Roadster, right. but I think we'll just, I think people would rather see the 510. Yeah, 510's cool. And it's BRE. And I'm doing it in such a way where the, car is going to be rolled out of the back of the Hino, probably about six feet or so. So two-thirds of the car is exposed. So you can kind of see it in the Hino and out of the yeah. Hino, five feet above the ground. Right. It's going to come straight out. Straight and the Hino's out. high up. So it comes straight out on like ramps or something. But then those ramps will have legs. Right. So we'll sort of have it displayed as we'll have it Hino and the BRE 510 sort of displayed together. Yeah. So you guys can uh, check that out. Yeah. I took a couple pictures of the Hino. It's been under the cover since, uh, since I think Monterey, you know, with the weather and everything, it makes sense. Uh, I took some pictures and I posted it up on Instagram and uh, all you guys that follow it, man, that's got to be the most popular post I have made. And there's been more likes and more comments about the Hino 
than anything. And, well, it, and it, I know you guys keep asking for more. They're like, where's the, you know, we want to see the inside. So I did another post of the inside, but it's got, I don't know, where are we up to like 500 and something likes on that, which is pretty high for what I normally post. Um, it's a bitchin' piece. Yeah, there's I mean, some interior. Let's, let's, right hand drive. Let's be honest. It's a really bitchin' piece. I, I, it's funny. I, I obviously I'm a sports car guy and a race car guy, but when I walk up on that Hino and just see the way it sits and the way it looks, yeah. I go, that's bitching. Yeah. Somebody actually even commented and said, did you guys lower it? Does it sit that way? And I was like, well, I don't think we changed the suspension at all. No. Like, our, that's it. Our next move is, uh, we're, we're going to sort of do phase two where we got like the stereo system cranking and everything Yeah, yeah. in there. We should work that out. Uh, so we, we got, got some, some of it installed, like the head units in there and there's some speakers and stuff in there. I think we should discuss because I don't know if there's any external speakers. It'd be, but. it'd be fun if we had some, uh, you know, cool Herb Albert music or something playing, yeah. Uh, some period correct stuff playing uh, <laughs> as that thing was uh, sitting there. Yeah. So, so people have also commented like, are, what are you going to do with the paint scheme? It's, you know, the white with the red stripes in the front. Now, are we going to do a livery? Are we going to do a wrap or whatever? And, you know, we have a big banner that promotes the brands, the Corolla drinks and chassis and stuff that we hang off the side, which is great. And we'll probably have that at the Peterson show. But uh, I don't know, like maybe down the road, like do we do, we've got this Corolla racing brand. You can get the shirts, you can get the hats, maybe put, do a little bit of that up on there. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of a kind of BRE stripe to it. It's blank Corolla canvas. racing. Yeah. yeah, it's a big blank canvas and it looks fantastic, but it is so funky cool. Like when you guys come out to the show, we're trying to bring it. We're just trying to figure out how to, how to get it in the building because, you know, it's kind of big. And can we get it on the roof or not? Or do we put it in like in the downstairs entrance of the garage? You know, like the lobby entrance of the Peterson garage, maybe put it down there. But uh, if you guys come out to the March 10th show. Yeah, and we'll we'll be there. We'll be walking around and we'll be totally accessible. And Leno will be there walking around. And I think Danny Trejo is Do we know what he's bringing? I don't know what he's bringing. I just got another email today from what Mike August does is he just sends me emails. Here's what I need you to do. I need to talk to Michael Mann. Tell him we want to write that Ferrari script. Oh, and tell Leno we need to and tell Seth McFarland yeah. we need to and then you gotta tell Jimmy to tell Seth McFarland to tell Michael Mann. Yeah. And I go, Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I get it. I I do a thousand shows a day and uh Yeah, that'd be nice if all that stuff could just happen easily. Tell Jay yeah, there's a lot of tell Jay. Like, I <laughs> yeah. don't know. Sometimes Jay doesn't listen to me every single time we, he says tell Jay. We did Jay. a phone conference with Mike this morning, and he's like, how come we don't know what Jay's bringing? I was like, I don't know, probably because he's got hundreds of cars, and he's just going to pick on the morning of. Yeah. You know, I, so I, like, I, he's just going to grab whatever the hell he wants and then just do it. I'll I'll send him a gentle reminder, and we'll see. Danny Trejo's bringing happens. a lowrider. What? Yeah. I'm trying to get... Um, Oh man, I'm trying to get our buddy Billy Gibbons out there so we can mm-hmm. get two lowriders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Billy's mm-hmm. trying to figure out like with with the wife and what her schedule is. It's like, come on, Billy, come out and do this. You know. Mm. Oh, and I uh, I got a I got a f- voicemail from our buddy Steve Strope, mm. and Steve Strope's going to be coming out and bringing a car. Yeah, I sent. Uh, speaking of Strope, you have to remind me. I sent uh, an email out to uh, Joe Rogan, who's got a few. At least one, probably two Strope cars. Yeah, Strope and Icon, I think. Maybe he's got a Jonathan. I don't know if I have Joe's right email because he hasn't answered me, but 
We shall see. Max Pata, make a note. Let's hit Strope. Tell Strope to tell Joe if he's mm-hmm. in town on the 10th, bring out like a Strope car to the to the event. Yeah, Joe just mentioned you on his podcast, too, so you're on his mind. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh. He had Alex Jones on, and Alex was talking about, who. do you know anybody who's like an independent uh, broadcaster that built his own audience, and you were the first and only guy that came out of oh. Joe's? Oh. Was... All right. Well, we'll see. Anyway, we'll, we'll get Strope who's a good dude, and Joe's a good dude, and we'll go through Strope to get to Joe. I'm yeah. not sure if I have his updated uh, information. But anyway, it's shaping up. email Mike August and go, Mike, this Mike, is what you got to do. Here's, here's what you need to do. You need to go get Joe Rogan's contact info because I think mine's out of date. No, Mike said, <laughs> I saw Mike last night at uh, Kimmel's. Mike's miserable, right, because he's got to go to Cats, right? He's got to go to Cats and the the musical. And Mike's like, <laughs> like, so his wife is dragging him to a musical and he hates musicals. And he's like, there's there's so much singing. And I'm like, that's what they do. And it's he's like, musical. yeah, I know. But I mean, does it ever end? And I'm like, no, it's a musical. It's and he's like, musical. but they sing everything. And I'm like. That's how musicals work. Yeah. And he's like, I would enjoy them if they didn't sing. Well, it's like listening to the podcast. There's so much talking. Why is there so much talking? Yes. It's like, because that's, that's all there is. Like, what are you going to do? Just be quiet? So poor Mike is miserable. <laughs> they had to go to Cats, but he's miserable. He hates all musicals because they sing. <laughs> And I'm like, well... Well, it is the one thing that's consistent among all musicals. I was going to say, it's got the word music right in it. But uh, I happen to like musicals. That's uh, that's me. I'm going against type. All right. Why don't we get uh, Ed Justice Jr. in here? I'll tell you guys about uh, Castrol Edge. Mm-hmm. Stronger under pressure. Engines can lose up to 10% of their performance due to friction. Castrol Edge with fluid titanium transforms under pressure. Keep metal apart and fight power robbing friction to unlock exhilarating performance three times stronger fool than the leading full synthetic against viscosity mm-hmm. breakdown they did a test it's the kurt orban i'd like to get that guy with uh, lake speed yeah talk viscosity kind of battle royale battle royale <laughs> <laughs> yeah castrol edge formulated with fluid titanium technology yeah I'm, I'm gonna edge. be due for a for the oil change in the M3 because it takes a little extra now because what it does is it, it, it pumps oil out of the oil pan into the supercharger and then it kind of mists it onto the gears and then it, mm-hmm. it gravity feeds it way back to the, uh, to the, to the pan and you got to put a little extra in there or the oil light will come on and be like, hey, you're a little low. Well, get it going. Get yeah, some castrol. Ed Justice Jr. in studio. The book, which is a whopper, The Legacy of Justice, an American Family Story. It's available now on Amazon, and you can bookmark us and click through our site. I have this thing it's in my giant hand book. right now. It's a, it, it, it's a load-bearing wall, Adam. <laughs> it is. A, it's a, you're in, you know, you construction type guy. You spent a lot of years of your life. And that's I did. A, that's a load-bearing wall. I would drop sure. a Paralam right on this bad boy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, put a few joist hangers on it and pick up that load. Yeah, it is a big, colorful, beautiful book. And uh, so many vintage old pictures and so many new pictures. And what a family to be born into. The incredible 
it just an, an, an incredible lucky legacy. Guy. You know, you can't. You, you know the old joke: you can't pick your family. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that generally is meant to be a negative statement. Uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't in mine. You know, it's like Uncle Fred. Yeah, yeah old Uncle Fred. Yeah. Oh, hey, Thanksgiving's coming up again. Okay, great. Where did the uh, Justice Brothers start? What was the very beginning, and your, where were your you? Dad and your and his brother. Uh, two. Uh, two. I had two uncles, three brothers. Okay. Totally. Uh, one of them is sort of forgotten. Uh, just a quick side note, because he got paralyzed in an auto wreck at twenty twenty one, uh, paraplegic from the waist down. And uh, so he wasn't as visible as my dad and my Uncle Zeke. But they started in uh, south of Kansas City, the Midwestern guys, born uh, 60 miles south of Kansas City in a little town by the name of Paola, Kansas. (laughs) Sounds like an old radio (laughs) deal or a a bad politician or something, but it's an Indian name. And, And throughout the Midwest, there are all sorts of Indian tribal names and all that. And uh, the town was about 1,500 population, uh, had a town square just like the Music Man. I mean, it was Americana. And uh, they were living vicariously through Popular Mechanics and some of the magazines that were around the, at that time because, you know, all the automotive magazines that we have known weren't around mm-hmm. pre-war. And... Uh, my dad, uh, there's a picture in the book, it's a two-page spread of their bedroom wall, and it's an amazing photo that we actually have, and, and I'll tell you how that happened, but it shows all these race car pictures hanging on their wall, like maybe, you know, you, I know that's the way my bedroom was, and they were ingesting this stuff, and all my dad kept seeing, being the youngest of six and the youngest of the brothers, was these California images with palm trees, the movie stars, the custom cars, everybody driving year-round, and then looking out the window in the wintertime and seeing his uh, little midget that they built in their teen years, uh, early teens, under a snowbank. <laughs> and uh, my dad, you know, just he couldn't get to California fast enough. And that there's certain things that just were big turning points. You know, in your life, things happen. You don't know why, but they're, yeah. you look back and, you know, that was critical. I went right rather than left. And, uh, you know, I, I call my dad and my uncle sort of like the Forrest Gump deal. You know, in the movie, Forrest always just sort of like is there when history's happening. And this was the way their life was. It was really uh, rather amazing. It, you know, it's funny as I as you as I think about it, and it's so poetic and sort of. I mean, I know there's always a lot of work involved, but I, I wonder if today's instant gratification world and sort of computer on demand and everything, where you know, it's like, well, I want to go take a virtual tour of uh, the hotel room before I go there, or yeah. I want to go take a virtual campus tour before I get on a plane, or I don't have to get on a plane, or where, what, what's, what shall be. there Before all the computers and all the virtual tours and all this sort of everything, there's a big chunk of life called mystery. And it was like, <laughs> I'm going to find out, like, this is a blind date. I'm not going on a computer and getting all our stats yeah. and a high-def picture this broad. We're just going to meet, and it, we'll see. Yeah. And, it was a, and, 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 and of course, it meant for disappointment 
but it also meant for sort of wonderlust. Like, I don't know. We're going to yeah. find out. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like our kids are being robbed of everything on demand and no more, no more, hey, man, we're going to have to find out where the road takes us. Yeah. Who knows? You know, I I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, you could say that sounds like an old guy rant, but the fact of the matter, it's it's a perspective uh, rant uh, because it's really true. My my dad and my uncles were fearless. I mean, they they feared nothing really. I mean, uh, they were risk takers. You, when you consider, uh, you know, in the in the book is the story about how they left from building race cars literally right down the street from where we are here and uh, working for Frank Curtis, one of the greatest American race car builders ever, fabricators, and decided to sell a product that had been uh, introduced by a 76-year-old man. And this is in the late 40s, which is like 120 by <laughs> current age, you know. Right. And take this unknown product to the other side of the United States, which they had never been to, to the state of Florida. Uh, they'd never been to Florida. Uh, settle in, in Jacksonville, Florida. My mom was six months pregnant, and they had no savings. And like my dad said, he said, you know, a lot of people said I was a, an aggressive salesperson. But he said – if having to put food on the table for my family, and there were three families, the three brothers, and one of them paralyzed, he said, then I was aggressive. And uh, so, you know, they had to make it happen. They never backed away from a challenge. What was that first product? It was Wind's Friction Proofing Oil, which is a real uh, mouthful of a name. And when you'd go in to sell that, the guy in the South would say, uh, I don't need roofing oil. Right. And, and he, yeah. They go, no, is friction proofing oil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Even wins is a with, weird, weird one to pronounce when yeah. you read it. Was your was was your dad selling other people's products before what was the sort of the timeline of, of so, creating yeah, you know, they, they, Justice Brothers is a huge he, yeah, manufacturer he, yeah, he, of, of they, lubricants. And, my dad was always been the spark plug, the the pusher of the family. Yeah. For whatever reason, being the youngest, whatever, uh, we'll let psychologists figure that one out. But uh, he could see the handwriting on the wall. They were building so many of these little midget race cars, which is the most popular form of racing right after World War II. Yeah, and you've got he, a great collection yeah, of those, thank by you. the way. Yeah, thank you. You've yeah. got, a, you've yeah. got the, the collection yeah. of those. With the world's largest. Like <laughs> yeah. I tell people, yeah, I don't know what that means. It's in 500 square feet, yeah. but it's, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Yeah, the world's largest <laughs> midget, midget car collection. Car collection. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, like hanging a George wall, Carlin joke. Jumbo shrimp. Yeah, right. So anyway, my dad could see the handwriting on the wall, and they stumbled onto this product that was brand new, unknown, and they became the first distributors for it. Uh, they didn't. They couldn't stay in California because uh, Chestine Wynn, a retired attorney who who was the guy they dealt with, uh, had a next door neighbor that he felt obligated to give California to, even though he would be the second guy in the door. Tremendous man, Bill Klesick was his name, and so uh, we went down there. It's it's a uh, we we actually then came back to California. My dad, the entire 10 years that we were in Florida, he wanted to get back to California. Bill Klesig, uh at a uh, meeting of the distributors uh, one evening, uh, got a, a little bit uh, inebriated. And he was very, very disgruntled about dealing with the uh, Carl Wynn, mm -hmm. the, the founder's son. 
who had his dad committed. Uh, that was the old gentleman who came up with the yeah, product in the right, first place. Right, right, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, that a lot of that's not in the book because it's not necessary. But anyway, so my dad made Bill Bill in just a like uh, I'm really upset statement. If somebody offered me X, I'd sell my company and I'd get the H out of here. Yeah. And my dad said, "Are you serious about that?" And he says, "I am dead serious." And he, my dad says, "Okay." Zeke, Zeke, Gus, and I will buy it, buy it. He goes across the street, rings up my two uncles, and says, hey, I got something very important to tell you. We just bought California. <laughs> and uh, Tom Madigan tells the story very well. It, they basically said, are you crazy? We don't have this money that you have just committed to buy this. No. And my dad says, I, I know that. <laughs> but he done. says, we will figure out a way to make this happen. And, uh, you know— there, my dad was a, there are no problems, only solutions, or there's a solution for every problem. And he was also a guy, don't cross that bridge till you get there. You know, he would never pontificate about, well, God, if this happens, that happens. He, he didn't care. And, and I, that was the way I was raised. You know, I mean, well, uh, well, deal with it when it comes up, okay? Yeah. Do you remember the amount uh, that, uh, that that sold for? $50,000. Which was a lot of money. <clears throat> yeah. Sure. Yeah. This was 1956. Uh, yeah. Matt, you're supposed That's to chime good. and go, still is, but I'm not going to say that. Yeah, no, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's true. It's, it's true. A lot. No, I, I so think- anyway, they, they, they came out, and then when they – there was a brand of product out here called Max Number 13, and it was a radiator additive, and it was very big, and it was uh, located over in Highland Park. And uh, – but we didn't have a product. Wins did not have a product to compete with that. And so my dad and, and uncles went to a uh, wind oil company. Carl Wynn says, look, we need a product like this. We're never going to break into this market the way we should. Because another brand of uh, product, Bardall, had beaten down Wins in this Southern California market. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, Bardall was very big in the late 50s. And you can see Huge. the sticker Close yeah. your eyes. You yeah. see those stickers? Yeah, I don't yeah. see it. Oh, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, they said, no, we don't want to make that product. For uh, Who knows? They, you know, they really weren't car people. Right. And so they, we don't want to, we don't make this product, Carl Wynn said. And and uh, they kept badgering him. He said, look, I'll tell you what, we'll sign a, an agreement that changes your agreement that says you can't make this product. We'll sign a separate agreement that says you can make this product if you guys want to make it. I don't think that was a smart decision, but whatever. I mean, that was their decision. And so that's when the first Justice Brothers product came out. And then about, oh, about 10 years later, uh, Wins wanted to, uh, Carl Wynn and uh, Wes Bellwood, the president of the company at that time, wanted to take uh, Win Oil Company public. And uh, in order uh, to do that, they wanted to uh, terminate distributorships. And so they systematically started terminating distributors, Justice Brothers included. But uh, what's told in the book that has never been talked about before is Carl Wynn's son, Cliff, was very good friends with my dad and my uncles, and he loved them. I mean, he really – he saw what – uh, you know, because we won India in 1950, put the product on the map. Uh, we paid for the sponsorship. Uh, and he happened to hear a conversation between his dad and Wes Bellwood one night with this master plan. 
And he got my dad and uncles off to the side privately. And he didn't get along with his dad, too. That's another factor I need to tell you. And, and he told him. I, I hate oh, to wow, tell you this, guys. Wow, he dropped guys. a dime on his dad. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if yeah. my son would do that. I saw that yeah. in Billions. I saw that whole thing play out. <laughs> I know. It's, you billions. know, it's like a Hollywood movie, <laughs> yeah. but it's true. But we, 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 we knew yeah. the handwriting was on the wall. And so as good as we could prepare for it, we did. We had 75 delivery vehicles on the road here in Southern California, Corvair vans. Corvair we, vans. I, I promise you, I think we had the largest fleet of Corvair vans well, for sure. the only fleet yeah, of Corvair right. vans. Yeah, no but you know what? Yeah, nobody this, had that. You, know, you, you don't realize it, but there was no uh, Ford van at that time. There was a panel truck, right. and the only other van was Volkswagen, which really they called a station wagon when yeah. it was introduced. You so know, if the you wanted VW a van, bus. it had to be air-cooled. That's it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, I, as I was thumbing through the book, I, you know, I think what a lot of people, younger people especially who listen, will get out of this book is you have no idea how much of this took place in Southern California and how sort of impossible it would be to do now with all the regulations and everything. But the, the, the notion that so much of that manufacturing and innovation and products were centered, I mean, you, everything from Moon up the street here to Shelby over in Venice and, yep. and everything in between. Like um, uh, Max Belchowski was like, I don't know where he was, right on – Sunset or something yep, there. Like, I, I mean, you don't think of Hollywood and Sunset and yep. West LA and the San Fernando Valley. You think of that as like food trucks and Mac Apple stores and yeah. stuff. <laughs> it was a bunch of hardcore ranching, engineering oh, yeah. products, innovative fabrication, crazy, all from here. And it's it's just I don't know if there's any other place like it because you know, other places did, well, we did shipbuilding and now we have retail or whatever. But this was far and wide the biggest place on the planet in terms of so many guys, so many Shelby guys. I mean, there was the uh, uh, Reventlo. Uh, yeah, the Scarab. Uh, the Scarab guys. I mean, everyone's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get 3,000 square foot and build my own car. Yeah, yeah. Trout, Troutman and Barnes. That was another group. Yeah. yeah, the um, and then old, old school like the part manufacturer guys like Edelbrock and oh, yeah. Iskey and and and, and All American Racers, which thankfully they're still here. Dan Gurney's All American Racers, Gurney's mm-hmm. yeah. making parts for this uh, Elon Musk shuttle and stuff. Yeah, like it's right. crazy up in there. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's it's insane. And then uh, yeah, except for old Yeller. I don't like that car. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, Adam. <laughs> you, you, scared what, me. <laughs> what, what you say is absolutely true. I hate I hate to say I have to agree with you because uh, the state of California has done an uh, award winning job of dismantling industry in the state and turning it into primarily a service industry state. Which, as uh, one professor in college uh, explained to me, uh, you you never generate the profits, the capital from service industry that you can by actually building a product. And England is a service industry economy, and and they show the signs of that and the problems with that. Uh, In order to really make money and to employ a lot of people, you've got to have the margin that you can generate by making a product for X and then the value of the product being that much higher. Uh, you know, when it comes down to service, it's so much an hour. 
and yeah. uh, that's it. Oh, or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of got this uh, lesson early because when my dad worked at a place called Five Acres, it's like a, essentially an orphanage when I was young in Altadena. And, like, I remember every year he'd be like, oh, we got to go try to get more money. And I'd be like, yeah, you have to go get more money because your clients are your clients are kids that have been thrown out of their house. Like they don't, they're eleven year olds who uh, who smoke. They're not. <laughs> they're not paying you. Yeah. And I know you have to have that element in society. You have to have hospitals for veterans and things and, and orphanages and and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is, is I learned real quick, like. Hey, that my dad's yeah. never going to get paid. It's a, because it's a terrible business model if you think about he it. He doesn't have the, his, his know, clients, the, the clients got don't money. have money. They don't pay him. So <laughs> right. I was yeah. like, all he can do is rattle the can once a year and see if he can get a little a little money in it to keep the lights on over there. So I always thought to myself, I want to go into a profession where I'm not. It's not based on clients that don't have money. <laughs> that's that's tough. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, it's like your, your you know your past construction. The developer makes a lot of money. The stonemason is X, right? Uh, well, look the, the the way the way the construction business works and like uh, the, the construction site works is the people that do the hardest work, the labor, that li- literally digging ditches all day, they get paid the least, yeah. and then it just kind of goes up the chain to yeah. the guy who shows up with a tie and a long sleeve shirt smoking a cigar and puts a chrome hard hat on and takes a spin around the <laughs> thing that guy gets paid the most and does the least physical yeah. labor so it's a it's a it, look it, it's insane though when you know people go like oh why is that guy he's working harder than anybody yeah he is but it, we don't need him we yeah. can replace him i look <laughs> when i worked at mcdonald's i was working harder than anybody over that grill i still got Three bucks an hour. I, work, I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Man, I'll tell you what. Slip and slide, man, on the floor. <laughs> I mean, and I, op- I, I opened the store with a, a good friend of mine, George Haynes, who went on to become the uh, general manager of Santa Anita Racetrack. And I'll never forget that. George stayed on much a long time. And where he made his real money at, at KFC was cutting the chickens. You know, I had a big blade, and you'd cut the pieces, and you got paid – per chicken and so you know if you're a hustler yeah. and uh you know and, and he did it and he still had all of his fingers at the end of the day you know? wow why did you work at kfc when you come from a family that uh, well because you know what okay. I, you know it's funny uh i first of all I, my dad was a he was a tough guy I mean, I've I worked in every single position in our company. I've worked in in the warehouse as a kid. I worked on the production line a lot. And the worst thing, the worst thing you can be when you're working out in the uh, shop floor, the production line, is be the son of the owner. <laughs> I bet. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, hey, if I treat him right, maybe I'll get a promotion. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, you know, you got to earn your way. And, you know, I mean, I look back at that and my dad obviously realized that. And uh, it was good. I mean, uh, same thing true with my daughters. They haven't worked in the on the production line, but they've done a lot of other things. Look, at when you're a business owner, I, I, you, I think there's a certain uh, uh, benefit to really understanding everything. And, uh, 
you know, I mean, I've pitched in and helped do a lot of things. I have no problem doing that. I mean, I have a great appreciation for the people on the production line. I know what they face. I've been there. And, uh, you know, without them, we don't make a quality product. And, it, you know, the old adage, you're only as good as your weakest link, is true. I mean, you know, any – I mean, look at you talk about a uh, fast food restaurant. Okay, we mentioned that. Whatever the brand, you have one guy that's the weakest link, and he does some heinous act. Particularly today, that'll hit the evening news, and the whole chain is affected. Correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean – Especially these days. Every, everybody, everybody counts. Everybody counts. What yeah. – uh, shifting uh, to uh, – Back to the automotive world. Are you coming out to the Peterson on the uh, 10th with us? March. No. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, that told me you guys obviously are not going to Amelia Island <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this yeah. year. Yeah. Now, man, first thing I, I yeah. said to uh, – I, I, I hit uh, – Bruce Meyer, and he's like, oh, I'm going to beat Amelia. And then I was like, oh, crap, we're doing this the weekend yeah, of I Amelia Island. Yeah, I on this one. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> a lot of the hardcore yeah. dudes that go to Amelia every year uh, will be out of town and will be left with the posers like me and Danny Trejo. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, uh, Danny's but great. with all of Bruce Meyer's cars. Yeah. <laughs> Dan- we get to keep his cars Dan- over there. Danny's great. He used to be around uh, Alexis DeJoria's pit all the time yeah. when she was running the funny car, and, and we've used his catering at our, at our place. But, Guy makes a you hell know, of a taco. You know, yeah. uh, uh, I, I obviously I'm, I'm a judge down there, as you know. Uh, you brought, Amelia, yeah. You brought uh, sure. uh, a car down there, mm-hmm. a beautiful car, one of your collection, and all that. You judge the category with uh, with Pete Brock and Tommy Kendall. Tommy Kendall, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See what an all star cast. And right after that, then I have to go to uh, the Garlitz International Drag Racing Hall of Fame. And accept the Founders Award for my dad, which is a really wow. great honor. So, in Florida, yeah, it's in Gainesville. It's right. uh, because that weekend uh, after Amelia is the Sebring Twelve Hour and the Gator Nationals Drag. You know, this time of the year in Florida, while it's not too cold and it's not blistering hot, they try to fit everything in. You know what I mean? I don't know how you do it because you you've got Justice Brothers Company to run you and your daughters yep. as well. But you're at every racing event. Justice Brothers sponsors every car on the planet and every racing event on the planet, it seems like. And then you're at every one of these events, and then you're shooting photos of everything. I don't know how you have time to do well, it all. Well, you know, I uh, there was a guy I uh, was exposed to uh, when I was in college, and he had a list of like 100 things he wanted to do in his life. And it was like climb Kilimanjaro, uh, go down the Zambezi. I mean, it was an, just a crazy list. And this guy was really checking it off going and it, and it wasn't a bucket list. This is just, he, this is how he wanted to live his life. And while my list is not anything like that, that guy made a real impression on me. And, uh, you know, I am blessed to do a lot of things I really like. And, you know, they, like they say, find what you like in your life and it's never a job. I don't feel like I have a job. I mean, hey, some days are not so good. I mean, that's life. You know what I mean? You could sit at home and they're going to have a bad day, you know? And, but I just love everything I do. I don't look, I don't feel like I go to work. Uh, we, you know, I, I, Justice Brothers, we have an excellent staff. 
Uh, you can't do it without an excellent staff. You can't do anything. And, you know, nobody's a one-man band. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just – you're the point man, you know. And, uh, and going to the races, I mean, we do that to support the teams. Uh, photography for f- over now, well, a little over 50 years, has been a big part of my life. Uh, that's an obsession, an addiction, a passion. Uh, and I get just as much thrill out of taking a great motorsports picture today as I did, even though it's a lot easier today, frankly, than it used to be because autofocus and all that. But that's made it a little bit tougher than to stand out from the rest of the crowd. Yeah. So uh, I got a last uh, question for you. Sebring. Uh We've been to a lot of events. I've never been to Sebring. Is, is Sebring still on where it was? I mean, it's still on the, the airfield? Yeah, and have they modified? You know, it used to be airfield, hay bales. You know, that, that was yeah, about no, it. They, they modified it, but it's, it is clearly the roughest race course in the world, uh, you know, because the panelization of the cement and all that. It's yeah. like, you know, the Pasadena Freeway would be a similar uh, comparison, you know. <laughs> well, the, although it's even worse than that. The, you know? We uh, we do the um, God. What island? When when do we used to do out here? Sorry, uh, I'm Sandy Coronado. Coronado. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Coronado was that kind of a miniature version of that, just yeah. flat and bumpy. Pa- Palm and weird. Springs, they did the same thing. Yeah. Too. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Coronado was weird because similar to like Long Beach Grand Prix, when they sort of makeshift a track. There's no real like runoff or anything. It's just concrete barrier. So, oh, yeah. you know, you make a little bit of mistake and there's damage to the car. There's Boy, not, you know, you're rather keep you honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently, we're very aware of that. All right, so, tell us about Geico. Yeah, Geico. Everybody's got a to do list. You drop off dry cleaning, you pick up some milk, and now you can add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. You don't have to pick up or drop off anything. Just go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to do you can do today. Check out Geico.com. Okay, you can uh, get not Taco Bell material, and you can pre-order my stand-up special at Chassis, two S's and a Y.com. We've got a lot of really good product there, a lot of good racing stuff and car movies and lots of docs and all that. Uh, again, the 10th, if you're not going to be at Amelia Island, you should definitely be with us over at the Peterson. Yeah, if you celebrating. go to the, uh, the Peterson.org website and the tickets that are for sale there, we I believe we have a few tickets left and you can get a private tour of your collection, Adam, here Sunday morning before the Peterson event. This Peterson oh, really? event starts at 2, so you can come here in the morning. Uh, I'll be here. Maybe you'll be here. We'll do a tour of that. And then when you get to the Peterson, it'll also include a vault tour, a private oh, vault tour. The so, vault. That is excellent. So you can get a special ticket for that. i got live shows coming up in Brea and Denver. And just go to amcarolla.com slash events. Ed Justice Jr., the book, man, and it is a substantial book, The Legacy of Justice in American Family Story. It's available on Amazon as we speak and uh, shoot uh, Ed something over at edjusticejr.com. That is the uh, website. Ed, always great to see you. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Say, you know that. Say hi to all our friends at a million. We'll say hi to some of your friends at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at the Peterson. Check out Shift and Steer, available on iTunes at Podcast One. And uh, until next time, this is uh, Adam Kroll for Ed Justice Jr. And Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. 
For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. We'll be right back. 